This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, the uh, Out of the Box Draft is an NCAA football all-time draft. The guys have questions for each other that they have a quick conversation on. The NFL Power Rankings 1 through 4 are revealed, as well as the division favorites and our Super Bowl favorites for the 2021 season. This Week in Sports covers the Ben Simmons drama, as well as some picks for this weekend's college football slate. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Dylan and Dylan show presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. Excited to have you on with us for the September 3rd edition of the show. Dylan Jesperson here with me as always is my main man, Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing today? Howdy. I'm doing great, Dylan. Um, I had uh, a great Friday. I got to watch my Tennessee Volunteers play last night. Uh, my guy Joe Milton made good impressions on me. Not everybody was thrilled with how it went, but for the first game of the year under a new offense, everything was new. I was pretty happy with it. Um, very excited college football's back. I just it's like a euphoric feeling right now. Really, really having fun. Uh, I don't have a this moment in sports history today, but I do have a birthday. Happy birthday to my my Olympic hero, Sean White. Um, I, I had to get that in there. So happy birthday, Sean White. I'm excited for a great show. Yeah, Joe Milton was uh, very, uh, very reminiscent of what I saw from Joe Milton last year against Minnesota. Very, uh, very solid. Uh, against a, an inferior team we'll see how he plays out I'm really excited to see Joe Milton with a full year of an offseason to actually you know, learn a system because that was his biggest drawback last year I do have a not today in in sports but I, I was looking up something for at least Michigan in this day in sports last night uh, this week in sports was the week uh, on September 1st Michigan lost to App State uh, I was at that game it was one of the one of the few games, and as a sports fan, I think a lot of people can relate to this. It was one of the few games where I went into the game and I was like, there's no possible way we're losing this game. I, I would make jokes about uh, one of my friends was going to that game. And I was like, there's at least they're going to see a win because there's no way we're losing to Appalachian State. And then we turned around and lost to Appalachian State. So uh, just one of those weird moments in sports that you'll never forget. Uh and it happened this week, so I had to bring it up. So uh, always great stuff there. Excited to get going into today's show. A reminder to subscribe to the Tunnel Vision Sports Network on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you never miss an upload of any of our fine shows. We are, of course, starting off with our out-of-the-box draft this week, and we are going back to college football for something pretty similar to what we did with the NFL last week, but back to the regular format of the uh, four players uh, for each team. We're going back to an all-time college football, not just Heisman winners. All of the NCAA football players are in the pool, so should be a wide range of fun players to, to go with. I'll uh, throw it to Dylan. Do you have the coin so that we can decide the order? I've got my nice little nickel again. Heads or tails? Give me tails. Uh, it failed again. We got heads. 
It happens um, sometimes. And apparently twice you, in a row. Yeah, twice in a row. I'll give you the first pick. I'll go two and three. All right. With the first pick of the college football draft, uh, I am going to go with one of the guys that dominated college football when I was growing up and maybe the first running back when I was growing up that I, I would say was the man in college football. One of the best guys that didn't win a Heisman Trophy, and I tried to stick with that theme this week because we did the Heisman draft. I tried to stick with guys that didn't win the Heisman Trophy. Some crossover there, but I'm going with Adrian Peterson, uh, one of the best college running backs in history. Uh, Didn't win the Heisman Trophy, obviously, but rushed for over 1,000 yards in all three of his seasons at Oklahoma, almost 2,000 yards in his freshman year, uh, 42 total TDs in his career uh, in only three years at Oklahoma, and he was the most feared back – of all time. I, I remember when when game plans for Oklahoma were coming out for the, the 2006 or 2008, and it was, how do you slow down Adrian Peterson? How do you get him under 200 yards, basically? Because he was that unstoppable. Uh, and then he became the best back in the NFL for years to come after that. So uh, I never had a chance to have AP on any of my teams. Uh, well, I did for a, for a second last year, uh, but that's a different type of Adrian Peterson. If I can take prime Adrian Peterson, I'll take a prime Adrian Peterson on my team. I'll throw it to you for your two picks. I love that pick. Um, a- I think we lost your audio, Dylan. It might be my internet, though. I, I'm not. I'm not totally sure. Um, here, we'll throw it back to you. I think we're good now. Oh. Hello? Now we're good. We're good. There we go. All right. So I was saying I'm going to go with a wide receiver here instead of instead of you went with a running back. I'm going to switch the switch the position up a little bit. Um, from West Virginia, one of the most electrifying players ever. I assume everyone's watched his highlights on YouTube or wherever else you can find them. I'm talking about Tavon Austin. Um, I watched his senior highlights, just his senior season highlights at West Virginia. It is a 10-minute YouTube video. I, I That kind of says it all, but I'm going to go into a little bit of the stats. In his career as a Mountaineer, 288 receptions, 3,413 receiving yards, 29 receiving touchdowns. That's just receiving. They used him all over the field. As a rusher, 1,033 rushes. 9.4 yards per carry, six rushing touchdowns. So that's about 4,500 total yards, 11.2 yards per, per touch, 35 total touchdowns. Throw in four kick return touchdowns and one punt return touchdowns. And then. Lost Dylan for a second there. He froze. But as I can cut in, Tavon Austin is one of those guys if, uh College draft and either you could, you, you could throw him in a high school draft. If you have never gone back and watched uh, Tavon Austin's high school highlights, uh, he is one of the uh, greatest high school highlight uh, highlight reels in the country. Sorry, Dylan, you, we lost your audio again for a second there. But I, awesome. I wanted to catch it, <laughs> catch it there. But go ahead with what your Tavon Austin stuff again. Yeah, um, I don't know where I got, but Tavon's stats were incredible. I if anyone watched him, you know that he, he was awesome, awesome player at uh, West Virginia. Uh, everybody kind of thought he would do the same in the NFL. Wasn't quite as, uh, as effective in the league, but that's okay because he was awesome in college, and that's what we're worried about today. Um, with my second pick, I'm going with the Honey Badger, uh, Tyron Matthew at LSU, going with the defensive side. Um, 
there's not a lot of SEC players that I enjoy watching because they're always beating up on Tennessee. But with Tyron Matthew, it didn't matter. He was just so much fun to watch flying all around the field. Uh, 93 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, six sacks, four interceptions, 16 pass deflections, eight fumble recoveries on 11 fumbles forced, two touchdowns, just playing defense, and then two punt return touchdowns. He did that in two seasons for LSU. Um, it's why he was a Heisman hopeful his uh, second year with LSU and then turned into a star in the NFL. Tyron Matthew, just all time, one of the most favorite, one of my most favorite players to watch uh, playing college football, him and Tavon Austin, just electric players. I'm very happy they're on my team. I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. Yeah, awesome picks. Love the Tavon Austin pick for sure. Tyron Matthew, again, also one of my favorite picks. I think those were uh, two two great, two great names that I didn't have either on my list. So, uh, Great job by you with those picks. I love them tremendously. Uh, I am going to go grab a quarterback real quick. Uh, and I think this dude is maybe the greatest quarterback in college football history, and he didn't win a Heisman. Uh, and he was the number one pick this year. I'm talking Trevor Lawrence. Uh, when you're talking about dudes that just have the it factor at the quarterback spot, Trevor Lawrence may top that list. Uh, he had over 10,000 passing yards in only basically two and a half years at Clemson because it wasn't a full year last year. So uh, 90 touchdowns, 17 picks in his college career. He he broke the Clemson quarterback record for wins in two and a half seasons, basically. That's uh, unbelievable to think about. Uh, one guy that definitely should have won a Heisman Trophy. I don't know if any of those seasons really you could say he was better than those guys, but Overall, we're going to look back uh, in a few years and be like, how did Trevor Lawrence not win a Heisman Trophy? Because he was so dominant in his time at Clemson. So uh, I think that's an easy pick there. Uh, and then as we move forward, I've got a little bit of a choice here. I think I'm going to stay in the quarterback position here. And another guy uh, that I think uh, if he could have stayed at school, we're talking about a guy that would have had some of the most mind-blowing stats and you mentioned him last week when we were talking about uh, best quarterbacks ever with Colby. I'm talking Michael Vick. Uh, freshman year at Virginia Tech, almost single-handedly changed the way we, football is played today, basically. 2,065 passing yards, 682 rushing yards, 22 total touchdowns as a freshman at Virginia Tech. Uh, just amazing what he could do with his legs and with his with his arm and one of those guys, he only played two seasons at Virginia Tech. So if you could imagine what he could have done with two more full seasons at the college uh, ranks, I think he would have had some of the most mind-blowing stats we would we would see. But uh, I think maybe the most electrifying college football player uh, of his time. So happy to have both Trevor Lawrence and Michael Vick on my team. I'll throw it to you for your final two picks. I don't know how I didn't think of Michael Vick. I, he did not even cross my mind, but I, I love that pick. And Trevor Lawrence, that one hurts because he should have been a Tennessee volunteer. I'm glad he did what he did at Clemson. Now he's going to be okay in Jacksonville. He'll have, he'll have to lose to the Titans every year, but that's a story for another day. Um, I'm also going to get a quarterback, and um, this is definitely a biased pick. It's a, it's a guy I wanted on my team because he's a Tennessee volunteer. Um, I, I'm going to go with Joshua Dobbs. Um, there's a lot of different Tennessee quarterbacks that uh, people probably think of, but uh, with me being a younger fan, uh, just remembering all the all the good memories with Josh Dobbs uh, in Knoxville, uh, having 53 passing touchdowns in his career and 32 rushing, uh, he kept Tennessee really competitive uh, in the in the 2010s when they probably shouldn't have been with Butch Jones a coach because he Butch Jones is something else, and 
I wish him the best of luck at Arkansas State. It wasn't a great fit, Tennessee, but Josh Dobbs under center did a lot of really good things uh, and made Tennessee competitive. They There were years where they were really, really buying for the like college football playoff spots. They're games away from doing that uh, and, and competing for the SEC East, and Josh Dobbs was a huge reason for that. Had to get him on my team. Absolutely love Josh Dobbs. Uh, and then my last pick, I'm going with a Heisman Trophy winner. I know you said you were staying away from him, but – he kind of got taken away, so I, I guess it's not really a Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, I I still consider him in the fraternity of Heisman winners. But, of course, talking about uh, Reggie Bush from USC, uh, one of my all-time favorite players. I think he fits the mold of my team, just fun players to watch. Uh, and offense with Reggie, Josh Dobbs, and uh, Tavon Austin would, oh, my goodness, all the points in the world. Uh, but Reggie Bush's stats are stupid, just simply stupid. I mean uh, – 1,300 receiving yards from a running back that split time with Lindell White, and then you throw in 3,000 rushing yards with the guy that split time with Lindell White. Um, 95 catches, 25 rushing touchdowns, 13 receiving touchdowns. Throw in three punt return touchdowns and one kick return touchdown. That's silly. Reggie Bush was the best in the world when he was playing at USC. He was so, so good. Um, very happy I got Reggie. Very happy I got Joshua Dobbs. Very happy I got Tavon and the Honey Badger Tyron Matthew. Absolutely love my team. They're electric. And I'll throw it to you for your last pick. Definitely wasn't expecting Joshua Dobbs, but the, the Reggie Bush uh, pick, definitely love it. When I was uh, a little bit of backstory, I was uh, preparing for a draft similar to what we did last week. So when I was researching the best defenses of all time that 2004 USC team came up and just think about that 2004 USC team if they had one of the best defenses of all time uh and turn around they had Matt Liner running the show with Reggie Bush and Lendell White splitting time in the backfield that's just they are one of the greatest teams if not the greatest college football team of all time uh great pick uh and with that Joshua Dobbs pick it gives me I think it gives me a little leeway to make my own nostalgic pick so I'm gonna go with Braylon Edwards uh, another wide receiver out of the University of Michigan. And uh, I've said it before on this podcast, I think he's my favorite Michigan player of all time. He was right when I started really getting into college football, he was the number one player on our team. And uh, by a long shot, he was the best wide receiver in the in the country that year. Uh, and if you go back to the 2004 Michigan-Michigan State game, uh, almost single-handedly brought us back from 17 points down to to win in triple overtime. It's maybe still my favorite Michigan football moment of all time. And it was, I was like maybe eight years old at the time. So uh, if you give that to me, uh, you Braylon basically gave me the love of college football in one game. So I, I have to give him uh, a spot on my team for that. Uh, and, and I'm pretty solid with my picks there. I think uh, all of my guys, uh, we got, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Michael Vick and AP to go along with Braylon. It's going to be an awesome awesome team uh, a lot of fun just like you're like you said a lot I'm, i would be it would be a lot of fun to see those guys be on the same team uh but that'll do it for the out of the box draft make sure you got oh before i go forward did you have any guys on your alternate list uh that didn't I, make the team i had three guys i um i had d'anthony thomas from oregon uh who, he fits the bill with what i was looking for just super fun uh michael james from oregon again those Oregon players, they just fit what I was looking for. And then Tyler Bray from Tennessee. I really, really wanted to put Tyler Bray instead of Josh Dobbs, but I looked at the stats and Josh Dobbs was just better. Tyler Bray was kind of 
the new school quarterback for Tennessee where he just threw so much. He threw 69 touchdowns in three years, threw for almost 8,000 yards in three years, um, which is just stupid. Uh, it was a ton of fun watching. They just lost a whole bunch. If he was, say, a senior year, he probably would have got uh, got that spot instead of Josh Dobbs. But Dobbs stayed four years, put up a lot of numbers, had a lot of fun, uh, but still love Tyler Bray. Uh, did you have any alternates? I, I, I know you do. So what are they? Yeah, yeah. I I, I did draft a, a quite a few of them because I only had a couple alternates, so I had both my quarterbacks get drafted. But uh, I had Darren McFadden down. If uh, if you happened to take AP before, I was going to take Darren McFadden right after because uh, he was AP before AP was AP, really. One of the most underrated running backs in college football history, uh, over 4,000 career rushing yards, 43 total touchdowns, very similar stats to AP. Uh just AP is just a little bit better. Uh, I had Calvin Johnson down too. Uh, obviously, we, met, we probably know him way more for his time in the, uh, the NFL, the Detroit Lions. But uh, he played. He was one of the main guys in a group of really talented wide receivers that played at Georgia Tech when they were still running that triple option offense, which really just doesn't make sense. But uh, and maybe hurt Calvin because the stats probably would have been better at a place like maybe USC where they were going to use him more. But still almost three thousand almost three thousand receiving yards in just three years at Georgia Tech, 28 touchdowns. I mean, that was that's pretty solid for a guy running a triple option offense. Uh, I had Desmond down. Don't really need to say much about Desmond. Uh, Jermaine Gresham at the tight end spot. Uh, if we were drafting tight ends, I think he's one of those guys where if he didn't hurt his knee in his last season in Oklahoma, uh, we'd still be talking about how dominant that dude was because he was he was 6'6", 260 at tight end and had like uh, over a thousand receiving yards in the season. He was insane at Oklahoma on, on those Sam Bradford teams. Uh, and then Kyle Pitts too, uh, I think he will probably end up being the best tight end ever uh, in college football history uh, as he becomes one of the best tight ends in the NFL today. We're going to look back and be like, okay, if, if Florida had a better team around Kyle Pitts, that would have been a lot of fun to watch. Um, but yeah, be sure to stay tuned to social media. We'll get those polls out for you so you can help us decide who drafted the better team and who you think we left off our list. I think Colby actually beat both of us last week. So uh, <laughs> welcome in a new guy and he beat us. So we'll try to get a winner uh, from the Dylan and Dylan duo this week. Uh, next up, when Dylan and I talked about the show last week, we thought well, it re went really well. And we thought one of the most fun parts was having Colby just ask us questions and let us have an open conversation as they came up. So Dylan and I thought we would do something very similar this week. We have some questions that we've got prepared for each other. Uh, so I We'll just get started with it. We watched some great college football games last night with Ohio, Ohio State and Minnesota playing. Uh, you're a Tennessee Volunteers. I got a big first win over Bowling Green. Uh, I got to watch the Boise State UCF game, which was awesome. Big comeback. Uh, and all of those games and, and all of the previews that we've had going has had me thinking about last season and uh, how much stock we can take in what happened last season. Uh, and I think it came to fruition last week. Uh, Minnesota looked a lot better than they did last year. Uh, I think Tennessee looked better than they did last year, even with all the departures. So I think my question for you, Dylan, is how much stock are you putting into the results of last season, given how weird it was? Because I think a lot of teams had maybe down seasons that we weren't expecting. Uh, maybe some teams were surprising that we weren't expecting too. Uh, and it's tough to kind of, I, I feel like for me, it's tough to kind of 
put these te- put a finger on these teams and say what they are this year because of what happened last year. Do you agree with that? Oh, for sure. Um, because there's there were so many moving parts uh, with guys opting out, choosing not to play because they didn't know the health risk. They just didn't know what was going to happen if the season was actually going to happen. They didn't know if they should go to campus to protect their families. A lot of things were up in the air last year, so we didn't really see these full teams. And, I mean, you have a team like Tennessee that I follow, have followed since I was a child. I mean, it was like 36 new members of this team, and a lot of them are getting heavy playing time. So this is a completely different team. A lot of starters are gone. Who knows what Tennessee is going to be with an all-new system, uh, new coaches at every position, a lot of new players, new quarterback, two new quarterbacks in in front of the two starters they had last year. I mean, a lot of moving parts. Plus – you throw in fans in the crowd. I mean, you get 90,000 people in Neyland Stadium, and Bowling Green State has a walk-on true freshman center. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a factor, a huge one. And the Minnesota crowd was wild last night. UCF, when that game got started at 2 in the morning or whatever it was in Orlando, they were rocking. Uh, I mean, th- th- that plays huge factors. I, I think with the how much stock you put in, I think it's just different. Like, I think like we had those conversations of is last year, is there an asterisk by it? And I don't necessarily say you put an asterisk by it. I just think that maybe we say, yeah, Alabama won the COVID year. And that's really impressive because there were so many things going on and they were able to be Alabama and keep doing what they do and have Devontae Smith, the wide receiver win Heisman in the weirdest season ever where Coastal Carolina looked unbeatable at points. BYU was crazy. Uh, I, ju- I just think it was – last year kind of highlighted the greatness of college football because it was very unpredictable. We didn't know what was going to come from week to week, and it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, was, yeah. yeah. You, touched, you touched on a lot of that stuff, the stuff that I'm getting into too. The, the, the things that I think about when I'm looking at this is like last year almost – didn't feel like a real year and i'm sure from a a lot of the players standpoint it didn't even feel like a real year uh especially when you you, like you take the big 10 into account you know at one point their season was canceled so they had stopped going to camp they were they were done doing what they were doing and then they come back for a shortened uh college season with no fans in the in the crowd so that had to be one of the weirdest scenarios for a college player to to come into especially those true freshmen that had to come in and play their first year with very little uh, preparation. Uh, and we've talked about it with Joe Milton. I think Joe Milton's a perfect uh, perfect example of a, a guy that would have benefited from a full offseason last year because he's, he's such a raw talent. He needs a little bit more help uh, getting his tools uh, under under control. But if he does, he's going to he's going to have a good career. We all see it. We all see the talent that he has. So uh, I, and I think you know, sometimes we forget that all, all of these kids are college kids. All of these kids are learning and growing. So it's tough to, uh, you know, Michigan had a two win season last year. I, I, I do think that was bad. And I think, you know, there's, there's stock to be taken and, you know, Harbaugh didn't have his guys aligned and didn't have things in place to where something as cr- critical as a pandemic comes down like that, that the program was able to, you know, fold like that. I think that's the type of stock that you need to put into it and less into like the talent of the the players that you have, because I think, you know, this year, I think a lot of guys are going to bounce back and see, you know, this is, you know, this is college football. This is, this is what I came to play here for. Uh, They had a full year of uh, off season training and they can actually put their systems in. I think, you know, 
it, it, it's tough. And I think this, this is one of those years uh, that look at the, take the preseason rankings with a grain of salt uh, even more than ever before. I think we've been shifting away from that in the college football realm because, you know, it just becomes so crazy after the first week of upsets and stuff like that. But even more this year, we have no idea what we're coming into this year. I mean, Penn state and Wisconsin are both ranked this year. And I think they both lost like three or four games last year. So it's, it it is so tough to take stock in what really happened last year. Um, I just think, you know, trajectories of programs can be taken, you know, the Ohio States and Clemson's were still on the up. And I think that's the stock that we need to, you know, those teams are still going up. There are teams, some teams that ended up going downwards, but they, they can obviously bounce back uh, if given the right circumstances. But I think that's where we need to be looking at it from that way. Um, I'll move on to my second question real quickly. Uh, And my other question revolves around boxing, which is probably a little bit surprising to people because I've talked about how uh, unaware I am of combat sports, but I did sit down to watch the Jake Paul uh, and Tyron Woodley fight last week. And I was thoroughly disappointed, not just with the outcome, but the fight itself. I thought, I thought Tyron Woodley like clearly was winning the fight in terms of like he was hurting Jake Paul more. His punches were dealing more impact than Jake Paul's were clearly. Uh, but I, I also felt like it was futile because Jake Paul was just the better boxer. Technically, he was getting more punches in. So my question is maybe a little tough, but how do we fix boxing so that that can't happen? How do we get it so uh, uh, someone like Jake Paul can't just learn the system like that to game and get the points? when a, an experienced, not an experienced fighter, because Tyron Woodley was his first time boxing, but a, a, an actual fighter can't lose to someone who just kind of learned the rules better. So I've thought about this a lot since you said it last night. And my short answer is, I don't know. My talked out answer is, um, I think what Jake Paul's doing is, he's kind of being a hustler, which I kind of respect because he saw a sport that is just so highly respected by basically everyone in the sports community. Maybe not everybody keeps up with boxing, but they know the history. It was kind of the first, first big sport in America where we had all these mega stars where now it's in other sports like basketball, football, baseball. Um, and he saw that and he, he sees there's this huge community and he knows it's kind of, it's not as big as it once was. And the Paul brothers, it's highly, um, known that they're both pretty good athletes and it's very obvious now seeing what they're doing they they were uh state champion level wrestlers in high school in ohio which is no small feat ohio is a state of very good athletes um i think they're just doing a very good job of kind of bringing like the wwe pro wrestling approach to boxing which is it makes it fun because i'm someone i love watching ufc ufc is a lot of fun for my my small pea brain that it gets bored after five seconds. UFC's action, action, action. Boxing's more like baseball, where you kind of got to understand what's going on. You, you you know who these two guys are, what their strategy is, and it's for a guy like Jake Paul bringing in a younger audience. It's a good thing for the sport, but also for the people who know who Jake Paul is, the older people. It they think it's making a mockery of it, and I don't know how you fix that because he definitely is gaming it, like you said. So I don't know, and. I don't know if they want to fix it because it's definitely bringing more eyes to boxing. So I don't know. Yeah. I, really I, don't know. I, I will give Jake Paul that. And that was the one thing that I, I thought after the show, uh, after the fight uh, and truly it's, I mean, if you take it, take a look at just what I did. I mean, I don't watch boxing 
very much at all, but I did sit down to watch Jake Paul and it was because I wanted to see Jake Paul get knocked out. And, and I think that's part of what Jake Paul does bring to the sport of boxing where it's like, all right, there's actual, there's some emotion attached to this. I'm actually watching a fight that I care about the results. And maybe that's a little bit more why I was disappointed with it. Uh, my thought process, and this is very out of the box and I'm sure boxing fans are, are probably less happy with, would be less happy with this, but this is just my thought process. Uh, and it was my first thought process and we can refine it somehow. Um, one of the things I've loved about the MLB is their introduction of, or at least their awareness and utilization of advanced stats, stat casts, stuff like, you know, exit velocity, stuff like that. Uh, I say uh, boxing, a sport that's super old, hasn't been innovated in very long time. Uh, innovates completely goes towards the sports science realm and we put sensors in the gloves that can measure the the impact and the weight of the impact that each punch registers so then we're not you know counting punches because that's what i felt like jake paul was just landing more punches he he was getting more punches off and he knew how to counter punches better but his punches that were landing terry would you would just look at him and go okay Like you punched me. I don't care. Like that didn't even, I didn't even feel that, but because he was getting those punches in, he was getting more points and winning more rounds. I want to know who did the most damage. I want to know whose punches did the most damage. And and I think Woodley. Exactly. (laughs) So I think that the difference is, is you put sensors in the gloves and it, it works both ways. If you're landing more punches, it will eventually add up to outweigh someone who's hitting just really heavy punches, but only landing a few. But if someone like Tyron Woodley was hitting with probably like four times the force of Jake Paul and landing those big punches and almost knocking him out, that there should be a, an exception to that. There should be a, there should be a way to give more points to that. And I think there's, you know, maybe you do two separate scoring systems, which is like the, the traditional, and then you get the advanced scoring system, and then you combine it. But something in that way, because when you looked at it, it there was no question in a street fight, if it was not officiated, Terran Woodley's destroying Jake Paul. But well, yeah. because Jake knew the, the game of boxing better, uh, he was able to win. And it just, I hate that. And I, I think it was in the sixth round. Woodley caught him, and I mean, it looked like Paul was about to be out cold, but the time in the round stuff helped Paul, and he was able to kind of get back to his feet and uh, stick it out for the rest of the fight. I mean, what's going to fix it is when they get an actual boxer in the ring, a guy that's not near retirement like Woodley or Ben Askren, or he's not fighting Nate Robinson, so an actual boxer who's in his prime just gets in there and shuts him up. I I would be fine with Conor McGregor going out there and boxing him. McGregor wasn't great in boxing against Floyd, but he was also boxing Floyd Mayweather. I, I think he could box Jake Paul and knock Jake Paul out, and he can go back to L.A. and do TikToks, and that'll be fine. But I I think that's that's what will uh, maybe fix the Paul problem is they, they can fight some real boxing. Yeah, that is the other thing that I, I wanted to bring up is that, that has been smart by Jake Paul is that he's picked – big names and, and, and both the Paul brothers, they picked that. I mean, Logan fight fought Floyd Mayweather, uh, you know, but they're, they're old. Uh, they're getting way older. And 
especially with like Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley and Ben Asprey, and they, they pick MMA, MMA fighters. So they're, they're fighters, uh, true born fighters. So people can't say, Oh, but you didn't fight someone who actually fights, but they're not boxers. And there's a difference between a boxer and, and uh, an MMA fighter. And I think it showed late in that Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley fight. Jake Paul was really tired and throwing some really sloppy, like haymakers and if Tyron Woodley was like had trained for boxing his entire career, there was like 20 opportunities to knock him out cold. Just it would have been so quick. It was because his face was just exposed and he was just looking like like he had no gas left in the tank. And if Tyron Woodley was just an amateur boxer, uh, he would be able he would have the mechanics to just make him pay for that. So I don't think that I think that's the, the worst part is Jake Paul's never going to pick a fight against someone like that so we're gonna need someone hope maybe someone like conor mcgregor mcgregor to really take boxing seriously for a couple of uh for a couple of years really get the mechanics down because that's the only thing i will give jake paul in terms of the sport of boxing he's figured out the sport of boxing pretty good he's done his research and he's trained pretty well and he he does a good job when he's in there uh i just don't think his punches really hurt that much um to follow up on that he keeps call, like we said, he keeps calling out these guys that aren't boxers. They're, they might be fighters, or Nate Robinson was an NBA player. Do you think he'll call out an athlete that's in their prime that might not be a boxer? Because, I mean, last week before the fight, I mean, he called out Miles Garrett, who might be one of the craziest athletes on the planet. I, I might be wrong, and Jake Paul could prove me wrong if it happens. I'd imagine Miles Garrett would knock him out within five seconds. <laughs> I, I don't know, but... I can't it, it, see that's the, the the thing with Jake Paul though he's become such a just he's just a boxer now he just understands the sport and how to counter and stuff he's not great but he at least knows it better than any per- he's at least two years ahead of any person that's going to start right now and try to learn boxing so it's almost futile anyone that's going to start right now and try to beat Jake Paul is it, it's just not a good idea but you get someone with at least a year or two of boxing experience. And then you say, okay, now you're going to train and fight Jake Paul. That's where, so maybe you find someone who Jake Paul doesn't know trained boxing when he was a young kid and has a little bit of boxing pedigree. If we can find that person, if that person's out there, please make that happen because I want to see Jake Paul get knocked out more than any person in the world. So uh, if there's any professional athlete out there that thinks, Hey, I could pull a fast one on Jake Paul, please do. Um, Yeah. Uh, What do you have? What questions do you have this week? Well, my first question has to do with a professional athlete who is a very big lad. And I wouldn't mind seeing him in a boxing ring, maybe against Jake Paul. If he wants to, if he wants to go in that direction, it'd be entertaining. I'd put my money on him. Uh, but earlier in this week, the New England Patriots uh, kind of shocked everyone. I'm going to say everyone. They shocked me. Um, they cut Cam Newton. I kind of assumed Cam would be the starter for the Patriots uh, this year. They'd kind of let Mac learn, but they're going with Mac Jones. Good for him. It, it's the Patriot way, it seems. Um, so my, my first question is, what, what do you think is next for Cam Newton? And who do you think might be the best fit for Cam in the future? You know, Cam is tough, uh, and, and it's really tough. I had this conversation with uh, my dad when we were going to the Tigers game this week. Uh, he actually said the Lions are looking for a backup quarterback, which is true. Uh, David Blau is uh, having a finger surgery, so I would absolutely love to see Cam in a backup role for Detroit. I think the problem is I, I don't see Cam as a guy that wants to sign a backup role. I, I just it, 
not that he's like one of those guys that's going to, that strikes me as someone that holds out and wants it all to be about him. He just doesn't seem like a guy that's going to, he's got enough money. He doesn't need to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. So I, I, I can't see him uh, going out and getting a, a backup job right now. Uh, but at the same time, there's really no starting quarterback jobs available right now. Uh, basically, I, I, I don't remember the last time we've gone into an NFL season with basically every starting quarterback job filled to, at this point. There's really no debate on who's going to go where. Uh, basically, every job is filled. So what happens next for Cam? That's tough. Uh, basically, I think maybe the Texans is probably the best fit, I would say. You know, obviously, the Deshaun Watson stuff is, you know, getting weirder and weirder by the minute. You really don't know what's going to happen at this point because it sounds like he's eligible to play and might be traded, but also will be a healthy scratch by the Texans. So um, I think maybe the Texans is the only team that really makes sense to me. You put Cam in there. He can kind of do what Deshaun Watson does uh, at, at, at the same not, maybe not at the same rate, but you know he's a former MVP. You can do things with him that maybe you couldn't do with the other quarterbacks behind Deshaun. So that's the only team that really makes sense to me at this point. But maybe another. Do you have any other teams on your mind that make sense? I do. And for as, as far as what's next for Cam, I'm hoping he's playing in the NFL. I want Cam Newton in the NFL. That's a guy that I've been a fan of since he was at Auburn. I really, really enjoy watching Cam. Heisman Leonard MVP. Almost won that Super Bowl against Peyton and the Broncos. Uh, awesome, awesome player. Really hoping he's in the NFL for a couple more years at least. I think the best fit is in the nation's capital with the Washington football team. I, I know they have Fitzmagic and they've got ta- Taylor Heineke as the backup. But Fitzpatrick, he's going to have his good games. There's no doubt about it. But is he going to do that all season? A team that can very well compete for that division. We're going to talk about that in a little while. Um, and, I mean, he's played under – Played under Ron Rivera for most of his career in Carolina. He's familiar with Curtis Samuel. He played with him for a couple years in Carolina. He knows that offense, so they could wait a couple weeks to bring him in. Um, I think it just makes a lot of sense for a team that has potential to be good. Um, But, yeah, Cam in Washington is something I'd really like to see. I think that's the best fit. Yeah, that is really – that's a good fit. I do think that is a good fit. While you were just talking there, I thought about it a little bit more. I think the Dolphins might be a, a good fit if he is going to go in that, that backup role. Um, I'm, again, I'm not sure if he would do that, but I think Tua learning from Cam would be a great fit. I think that would be, you know, a guy that's done it, won the MVP, been to a Super Bowl, obviously had a, a rough Super Bowl, but uh, been been there, done that to for to have a guy like Tua learn under a guy like Cam. I think that would be a great fit for Miami. Uh, but it's all about convincing Cam that uh, he needs to be in a backup role, which I, I just don't. I don't know if I see it. I, I, he could he could prove me wrong. I don't know Cam Newton personally, so he, he could he could do something differently. But uh, I just don't. I, I don't. I, he signed in New England to be a, a starter on a good team. I, I I would see his next stop being a starter on a bad team before he goes to the backup if he's ever going to go to that spot I think the only way he plays this year is if someone probably gets hurt a starter gets hurt and someone needs a guy to come in and Cam's got to be the first phone call you have to imagine like a team like that's trying to compete like knock on wood say Ryan Tannehill goes down for a couple weeks the Titans should be on the phone with Cam Newton because he could step in and be dangerous with that offense somebody like that would make sense 
for him to come in and can, he can be the backup for the rest of the year or like new Orleans. If James and Taysom don't work out, he could go down there. I don't know. I think there's, I think there's doors that could be open for Cam Newton, but we'll, we'll see. And I'm very excited to uh, hopefully talk about Cam in the coming weeks. Cause I want him back in the league. Um, but my second question, I'm going to keep it with football. Cause I'm, I'm very, very football high right now. Um, so football's back, college football specifics back NFL. We've got next week. Um, we've become familiar with these new traditions in college football. Like the U brought in the turnover chain, and that's what really started all these new traditions. Um, it's a two-part question like my first one. What's your opinion on these sideline props, these new traditions like the chain, the turnover chain in Miami? And would you like to see uh, – or what would a new one you would like to see introduced, or would you like to see Michigan introduce a new one? So along those lines, just a little fun thing Michigan can do or any team. Uh, I think I think there's a lot of fun possibilities in this realm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first off, I love the turnover chain. All of those, uh, all down the line. I think basically they're all just uh, copies of the turnover chain at this point. But all of them have their own little special appeal, which makes them great. Uh, and I think anything like that. Uh, I think it started a trend in all of sports, really. You've seen it. If you've seen Toronto play this year, they have a home run jacket that they put on after every home run that they they hit. Uh, it, it's if you don't like it, you're just a, a a stick in the mud. Is basically what I have to say. You don't. You, this is that's what makes sports fun. Is when you, you make a big play, your whole team's pumped up about it. And now you get a chain to put on because you you got the turnover. That's awesome. Um, for me, my idea, and I, I do have to give credit to Mike Valeni, who is a uh, sports radio host here in Detroit, uh, for this idea because it's basically carbon copy his idea. Uh, this this is a, a recruiting play for sure, but I would like to see Michigan uh, for their turnover prop. Uh, we are going to buy or have a or have a dealership lease us uh, just a just your normal everyday supercar. Uh, something sick like that. And if you get a turnover at the university of Michigan, you get to go into the car and take a lap around the stadium in the supercar uh, convertible. So maybe someone can drive you around and you can wave to the, to the fans as you're going around. But that's, that's what we want. We want a, a turnover Lambo uh, at, at Michigan. Uh, and maybe, maybe if you get two picks, you get to drive the Lambo for the week. Uh, I don't know. Something, something's cool like that. We can work something in the NIL deal out like that, but a turnover Lambo at Michigan, I think would be pretty, pretty sick. Yeah. I like that. And it could, like you said, with the NIL stuff, you could work an idea with a car dealership in Ann Arbor that could work out really well. Um, since this started, I've been very conflicted about it because the two schools whose teams I follow very closely have done very different approaches to it. And I like one and I really dislike the other. The one I really dislike is the University of Tennessee. And I stopped doing um, any kind of sideline props after this because it was really stupid. They did a turnover trash can. And <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> I love Tennessee. But they suck. They've sucked <laughs> for quite a while now. And just that image of the trash can on the sideline, that's a bad image, and they should have thought about that. <laughs> I, I don't like that. Um, but Murray State, my alma mater, uh, I think they've done a great job, which most people don't know about this because Murray's a smaller school and we're getting better at football. So you'll learn. We'll be in the FCF <laughs> playoffs th this year, and you'll get to see it on ESPN. Um, when we've been getting turnovers, there's a saddle on the sideline because we're the racers, horses. 
and okay. they hop on the saddle and act like they're riding the horse. I think that's fantastic. That's great. Absolutely love it. Um, if Tennessee was going to have another one, I don't really know. They don't force a lot of turnovers because they're not very good. Um, I don't know. I, I thought I was thinking of just like random inanimate objects, like a turnover lightsaber would be fun. Um, <laughs> a, a turnover turnover, like a turnover apple turnover. You get you get a little treat on the sideline. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of fun possibilities. There's a lot of creative people out there that uh, can come up with a lot of fun stuff. But I, I love these things, and I, I think everybody should have one. Uh, and I hope it gets to every sport, MLB, college football, college basketball, uh, NFL, NBA, high school sports. I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, keep integrating them. Uh, I think, like you said, like you got to think it out, though. Tennessee, uh, and I think a lot of big schools, after they saw Miami do it, kind of tried to do the same thing and did cheesy versions of it, didn't think it through and just really – kind of botched it uh but once you got a good one stick with it because we love it we love that part of the of the football world of the sports world so uh love all of that stuff all right with the nfl season finally approaching it is time for us to reveal our top four teams for the 2021 season and our nfl power rankings reveal uh let's get right into it with dylan at number four at number four i'm gonna go with my favorite team out of the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans. This is as high as I could get them. I really wanted to go all the way with them, uh, but I couldn't do it. Uh, they're they're just not quite there. There's three teams that are better than them, but that doesn't mean I'm not really, really excited to watch Titans football this year because they're, they're a top five team. They're coming in at number four. Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, that, that frightful foursome in Nashville – I mean, that's going to keep teams up all night on Saturdays uh, trying to defend them. I expect just huge offensive numbers all year. And the defense has really improved in preseason. I am really, really excited to see what they do. Um, I think I've been saying it for quite basically since we got Julio. I think we're going to walk away with AFC South. And I think we're going to make a lot of noise and compete with another team in the AFC that I'm going to talk about in a few minutes. Uh, But, yeah, Titans at number four. And in my notes, I have a little frowny face because I'm sad they're here and not higher. But yeah, who do you have at number four? You know, part of me expected you to have Tennessee at number one. I just I couldn't, I, but I, I didn't know where you were going to go with it. I thought maybe you would have Tennessee at number one, but I like Tennessee at number four. Uh, at number four, I've got the Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. Uh, everyone is high on the Bills this year. And uh, at, obviously after the breakout year from Josh Allen in 2020, uh, and I think I want to be the voice of reason a little bit because – I've said a bunch during this, like these reveals that you need to give quarterbacks, you know, a second chance. You need to get like Sam Darnold. You need to give him a second, another change of scenery, another coaching staff, let them let, let's see if they're actually not very talented or if it was just a bad situation. Uh, You on the other side, you have to let quarterbacks do it for consistent amount of time before we crown them as the next great one. And I think that's, you know, I think people might be a little too high on Josh Allen. I think he's very talented. Definitely. I think this Buffalo team's elite. That's why I have him at number four. I just think before we start crowning Josh Allen as the next great, uh, we need to let him do it again in Buffalo for another season. And 2020 was a strange year. We talked about it. It was obviously stranger in college football, but it was strange in the NFL too. People were going down week in and week out. Uh, teams had to forfeit games at some points. So it. let's see what the Bills are in 2021 before we say, all right, they're for sure a top 
top team. Uh, I still think they're elite number four in the, in my power rankings, but uh, not as high as maybe some other people have them. So uh, I'm, I'm fine with the bills at number four. Uh, Let's move on to number three. Who do you got at number three? I like the Bills pick at four. I had been a little bit lower because I had to squeeze the Titans into my top four. Um, number three, I am going to the NFC North. I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. I think this team is going to be really, really good. And I think they benefit a lot like my Titans, where they're in a division where I think they're going to run away with it. And that's going to give them uh, – that's going to let them stack up some wins. And they're obviously – they're really, really good. They're going to win a lot of games. They very well – could be one – they're going to be one of the best teams, at least. I've got them at number three. I mean, that speaks for itself. Uh, we've talked about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have made kind of the last dance um, kind of comparisons for this season, and it seems like the Packers have kind of bought into that. So that makes them just a little bit uh, more dangerous for everyone. They've got a really good defense. I saw that firsthand last year when the Titans played the Packers late in the season, and I wasn't that high on the Packers. I was like, I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. He's good. But on that frozen tundra Lambo, oh my goodness, they are they were silly. And I I, I really became um a believer in uh the Packers and I, I think they're just gonna be really, really good and they're gonna they're gonna put up a, r- a real nice test against the other NFC team I I have in my top two. Uh but yeah, they're they're gonna be really, really good. The Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, the defending MVP and Devontae Adams, who's silly good. Uh but yeah, who do you have at number three? I love that pick, and I think I have the other NFC team at, at number three. I've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number three, uh, probably a little lower than most lists, and even at number three, that's that's saying a lot about what people think about Tampa Bay. Uh, and this really is nothing against Tampa Bay, and nothing about the Bucs really wor- worries me. Like we said last week with Colby, defense is maybe one of the best of all time. Uh, just the the way that it's assembled uh, – Jack Barrett and, you know, Golston on the line, along with, you know, uh, Levante David at linebacker. I couldn't think of his name, but uh, it's an insane, it's a stacked group on that defensive side. And then you've got Tom at quarterback and, and, you know, the Bucks are, the Bucks are the Bucks. They're exactly the same. They, they returned their entire team this year. So I think, you know, they were really good last year. I think they're going to be really good this year. Um, this is less about the Bucks and more of what I think about the other two teams uh, that I've got at one and two. So I think similar to what they were last year, uh, I think they're going to be really, really solid, really hard to beat on that defensive side of the ball. But uh, I think there are just two teams that are a little bit better than them. So we'll move on to number two. Who do you have at number two? I'm good. I've imagined this number two team I'm about to say is in your top two as well. Um, I've got number two, uh, the AFC West, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs are awesome. I, uh, I'm very excited to watch them play this year. Patrick Mahomes has become one of my favorite players in the NFL, and I, I kind of showed that last week picking him in our, our draft with Kobe. Uh, love watching Patrick Mahomes play football. Tyreek Hill's electric. That entire offense is electric. Travis Kelsey, whoever they have playing running back, because they can just – pluck someone in and he'll be elite and run for a hundred yards in whatever game they play. It seems like, and then that defense is really slept on. That's a good defense. They do a really good job of not letting people score and getting the ball back to Patrick Mahomes and letting him throw for 400 yards and a million touchdowns. And they beat everybody and they have a lot of fun and they get me a lot of fantasy points. And I really appreciate it. Uh, and I dread when the Titans have to play them in a couple months because it's going to be a lot of fun, but a lot of hard for my Titans to get the win. Uh, but the Chiefs are really, really good. 
And that's going to be just the status quo for the next decade and a half or whatever it is that Patrick Mahomes wants to play football because they go as Patrick Mahomes goes, in my opinion. And I think that's what a lot of people think. But that's a good team. They're they're a lot like you just said about the Buccaneers. It's a good team beyond just Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. And that's what, that's what makes them elite. But, yeah, number two, the Kansas City Chiefs. Who do you have at two? Yeah, I love that number two pick. I also have the Chiefs at number two. And I, I think it's just wild that Pat Mahomes is only 26. Uh, you know, this dude is probably going to put up some of the most ridiculous stats we're going to see along, as long as he stays healthy because uh, he's going to have just this unreal career at this point. He's putting up some of the most unreal numbers, and that's just – you know, Pat Mahomes, you, you go Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, they've got, you know, maybe, you know, depending on where you rank Tyreek Hill, you've got maybe the best players at each of those positions, definitely top five in each of those positions. Uh, and then you mentioned it on the defensive side, they're no slouch either. So um, I think they're the best team in the AFC. I was, you know, I think given a little bit different of a year last year, I think they find a way to get over the Buccaneers, but uh, I think, just the, the pandemic season was just a little bit too much to, to get over a defense that strong, uh, give them a full off season, give them a, a game like that Super Bowl to learn from that and recover from that. And I think the chiefs maybe uh, change it this year. If that's the, if the matchup plays out the same way, if it's chiefs bucks, again, I think I would take the chiefs this year. And that's why I've got them in number two. Uh, and finally, we will move on to our top ranked teams. Dylan, who do you have at number one? Well, at number one, the only team I have left of the 32, the defending Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I've got my, I've got this nice tweet from uh, my sports update on Twitter, and this kind of really solidified it for me when I was deciding this week. The Bucs won the Super Bowl in February. They brought back all 22 starters from that Super Bowl team, brought back all three coordinators and all position coaches. That's silly. That does not happen with Super Bowl uh, champions. People leave and get big contracts. People, coaches leave and get head coaching jobs or get better contracts to be a coordinator somewhere else. They all stayed because they know they have Tom Brady, who's looking to win another championship and maybe another one after that. They're all in on winning. It's a really, really good team. And we've talked about it quite a bit. This, it's not just Tom Brady, it's an, an elite defense, elite playmakers all around the field. And they're just going to know each other more this year. They're going to be more comfortable. Tom's going to be able to sling it a little more because he feels more comfortable. That Bruce Arians offense is a gauntlet. And anybody that's played in it will talk about Carson Palmer. You can look at it in Arizona. His first year, he really, really struggled. That second year, he got comfortable. They were crazy good. Tom Brady was crazy good in the first year in Bruce Arians offense. So now you think about the second year, Tom Brady could be a 40-year-old MVP if everything goes right. I mean, this could be – a really, really crazy, insane year for Tampa Bay. I'm excited to watch it. Um, I've kind of got past the Tom Brady hater part of his career, which I'm excited about. I'm just appreciating Tom Brady and everything he does. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Tampa Bay is the best team in the NFL, which is very weird to say because when you think of best team in the NFL, just like generically, not just this year, you're not thinking the Buccaneers. That, that's not what comes to mind. But I, I think they're the best team in the NFL. Um, what about you? Who do you have at number one? Yeah, and just piggybacking off of that, uh, you know, Tampa Bay. We we t- we did talk about it last week. Uh, you know, the misconception that Tom came in and and really saved that team. Uh, but uh, you can see where it comes from when the fact that 
They were, you know, an all right team one year. Tom comes, they're a Super Bowl team the next year. They're the Super Bowl favorites by a lot of, for a lot of people. So uh, you can just see what Tom as a person does to, to elevate a a franchise like that. Um, So obviously a solid pick at number one, I've got only one team left as well. And I'm going with the Green Bay Packers at number one. And, and I've mentioned this a few times as we've done these reveals and within other topics. I just think the Packers are a team of destiny this year with all the drama with Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. I think it's set a fire under the most talented player in the league. And we're going to see something we've never seen before. And I'm, I'm like I'm talking record breaking stuff between him and Devontae Adams. Uh, I think this team's destined for a 30 for 30 down the line just because it's going to be, you know, it might be a a. a an all-time season where he sets every record and and then ends up leaving the team in the offseason. So uh, I think that's what we're setting up for. It's going to be a, an awesome kind of tension-filled year for Green Bay, and I think that's what makes for really, really good years for teams. Uh, so, I, and like I said, I think this team's destined for a 30 for 30. It only gets better with a Super Bowl and an MVP season for Rodgers. So that's what I'm going to predict. And I got the Packers at number one heading into the year. Uh, I think they're, I, I, I'm, I'm expecting scary stuff from the Green Bay Packers. So to recap our top four, I've, at four, I've got the Bills. At three, I've got the Bucks. At two, I've got the Chiefs. And at one, I've got the Packers. Who do you got uh, in your top four? At four, I've got my Tennessee Titans. At three, I've got the Packers from Green Bay, Wisconsin. At two, the Kansas City Chiefs. And number one, the defending Super Bowl champions from Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers. All right. Awesome stuff. Power rankings are finally done and out of the way. Uh, And with that done and out of the way, we decided we would give you a rundown of our picks for our favorites in each of the NFL's divisions, plus some early Super Bowl favorites and anything else uh, NFL related uh, as we wrap up the NFL stuff today. So uh, Dylan, uh, what are you looking at in terms of the divisions Uh, start in, you know, any division you want? So the AFC North is the first one I have wrote down. Um, And I just put the Browns question mark because it doesn't feel like I should be saying that. It feels like, I don't know, it feels like a wrong answer on purpose. But I I think the Browns are probably the best team. It doesn't feel right. I I don't know. Putting all the stock in the Browns might be the wrong choice. But Are you sure that's not not Clemson? I don't think so. I wrote (laughs) – I wrote the Browns, so <laughs> I think it's the Browns. Um, All right, yeah, good, good. Clemson, I'd like to see Clemson in the AFC North. That would be interesting. Um, but that division's good. It's going to be the Browns, Ravens, or Steelers, so I'll go with Browns. Who do you have in the AFC North? Uh, AFC North, I've got Baltimore on that list. I think they're just a little bit better than Cleveland. I just Detroit and Cleveland are so similar in I, I, the – I think of them in the same ways. Their sports teams in the same ways. I cannot predict anything good happening for their sports teams. So even if I think that's the right option, uh, it's just got that stink of Cleveland on me. So Baltimore is my pick for for this year uh, in the AFC North. Uh, move on to the AFC South, I guess, your division. Yeah. Who you got in the AFC South? The Texans. No. I, <laughs> it's the Tennessee Titans. I, the, it's the Titans. Yeah, I got the same as same as you, Tennessee Titans. Uh, I think that'll be a pretty easy win for Tennessee there. I think you'll run away yeah. with that one. Uh, we'll move so. on to the West. Uh, who you got in the AFC West? 
the Kansas City Chiefs, my number two team in the NFL. I think I think they're going to win it. <laughs> yeah, I think that should be it, it's. We've said this AFC West is a very solid division. Yeah, it is. Uh, but the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Uh, I think yeah. pretty easy pick there. Uh, move on to the East. Maybe a little bit harder of a pick. Um, Buffalo. I think. I hope they. Surely, New England might be crazy. I don't know. Yeah, That's hard I, to predict. I like talked myself. I, I have New England slash Buffalo. I, yeah. I honestly couldn't decide because I talked myself out of Buffalo when I was making my power rankings. I I, I like Buffalo. I think they're elite. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I, I, I don't know. I, there's something about New England this year. I think Mac Jones might actually be something that, that could work out. So uh, don't sleep on New England. Uh, but I think if everything plays out, you know, if everything goes to plan, Buffalo should win it easily. But uh, the NFL is not like that. So. We'll see. Uh, we'll move to the NFC now. Who you got in the NFC North? The Green Bay Packers and yep. Aaron Rodgers. Pretty easy. Walk away with it. Yep. Yep. Pretty easy. Green Bay. I got Green Bay winning the North. Uh, the South should be pretty easy as well. Yeah. The Buccaneers. Yeah. Tampa. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tampa. Yeah, Tampa. <laughs> Don't have to say much about that. Uh, no. The NFC West. Oh, this one's hard. I don't know. I ha- I wrote down Seattle. I also have Seattle. I'm not crazy confident about it. I think the Rams are going to be good. I really like the Cardinals. Yeah. And you could convince me the 49ers were going to be good. Yeah. It's a real toss-up. I think, you know, Seattle's just a, a, a tier above those teams in my mind, yeah, I think. You know, Seattle's really good. They're, yeah, they're really good. Russell Wilson's really, really good. So I, I think that's – it's tough, but yeah, I do think I, I I think Seattle. I'm I'd put it at like a five confidence rating though. Oh yeah, uh, and then okay. yeah, and then we'll move on. The last division, the NFC East, one of the weaker divisions in the league. I really want to say Washington. Really badly want to say Washington, but if Dallas stays healthy, they're going to win it. Dallas is the most talented team, but man, I like Washington. I I'm becoming a Washington football team fan. If they sign Cam Newton. They they might have me. They might have me hooked. Sam, um, yeah. If they signed Cam Newton, I might actually change my pick. But I am going with Dallas, too, because I think they're the most talented team. Uh, but Washington is the team of the future in the NFC East, no doubt about that. Uh, so we got Green Bay, Seattle. Uh, I've got Green Bay, Tampa, Seattle, Dallas, Baltimore, Tennessee, Kansas City, and then New England or Buffalo winning in, in my divisions. Uh, just quick rundown of your divisions again. Um, I've got Dallas, Seattle, Tom Brady, and the Buccaneers. The pack the Packers. The Packers. Um, <laughs> that's not a team. Uh, Buffalo. I've got the Kansas City Chiefs, my Tennessee Titans, and I guess the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> All right, uh, and then for early Super Bowl favorites, obviously very early. But like I said, I like the Packers in the NFC uh, of any team. I think they're a team of destiny. And the Chiefs are obviously the most talented team in the AFC. So I like the Chiefs. Uh, and then the Bucks are like the my next team. If one of those teams ends up you know, being worse than I think they will be, I think the Bucks will, will swoop in for sure. Uh, what about you? So I think the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. But. The Chiefs and Titans have this nice rivalry going for the last couple of years. I think the Titans are going to have their number in the postseason. I think the Chiefs will win the regular season. Titans win the postseason, get to the Super Bowl. Because I don't have a number one, so they're going to the Super Bowl. 
And I think they're going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, have a nice story, Brady against Mike Rabel. Um, a lot of guys from the Patriots organization are in Nashville now. Um, and Titans win the Super Bowl because I make my decisions. That was, <laughs> that, you're going to be very happy if that prediction comes true down the stretch. So. <laughs> very happy. So I, I don't hate it. All right, uh, that'll do it for our main topics this week. We'll move on to this week in sports and some drama going down in the NBA again. As news came out that Ben Simmons would like to move on from Philly and he's unhappy with his situation there. Uh, not very surprising given the mood surrounding Simmons after the loss in the playoffs this year. But Dylan, what was your reaction to the Ben Simmons news breaking down this week? So I expected all this to happen like a couple months ago. And it kind of didn't. I was like, well, I guess he's going to be a sixer. Cool. Like, whatever. Um, but now it's all happening. It seems like he's going to be traded. Um, I'm excited because Ben Simmons is good. And I, I think he probably needs to change a center. Like, we talked about this with quarterbacks. Don't give up on Sam Darnold. Let's see what he does in Carolina. Um, I'm just interested to see who wants to trade for him. Because that's – you, he's a good player. But there's been rumors of the trade packages aren't that good. People aren't wanting to give up a whole lot. So surely Philly's not going to send him to the Lakers or Clippers. That would be terrible for the league. That does not need to happen. I I like the idea of a team like Portland. That seems like a lot of fun. Um, I put Memphis, and then I just put LOL. Because him and Memphis would be fun. It would make no sense. That would be terrible. Him and Ja, I don't think, would fit well together. But I really like the idea of, like, a dame for Ben Simmons trade. I don't think he's going to get that much value though, which seems crazy because Ben's really, really good, but dame to Philly and Ben to Portland. See, I, I like that in my head. I don't know if it would be a straight up swap or what it would be, but I don't know. I don't want him to go to LA. I know that much because that would, that would just suck. I don't want him to Clipper or Laker this year, but um, I don't know. It's, it's a fun it's fun hypotheticals that we'll get to do probably for the next couple months. Cause when these trade ideas come out, they take a while in the NFL or the NBA. And I don't know. Ben Simmons, where do you think he'll end up? Or do you think he'll get traded? Or what are your thoughts? It was, you know, you know, obviously not surprising. We heard doc rivers say something along the lines of he's not a, a point guard in, in this league after they lost. So I, you could tell that the organization was kind of, you know, it was kind of a wild thing to say about one of your star players. So you, you kind of felt that he was going somewhere else. But then, like you said, uh, the news kind of died down until just this week. Um, I think my first reaction was, uh, you know, as much as I am on the side of people that uh, and the organizations that uh, take a plan to tank and, and do things like that. And, and Philly was the leader of that, the trust the process. Uh, we need to stop reacting as if processes are completed when players are drafted, because there was a big uprising when Markel Fultz was drafted at number one overall, that the process has been fulfilled. The prophecy it's, it's over. We've done it. And then Markel Fultz, you know, flamed out of the league or he's still in Orlando, but he's nowhere near the player we thought Markel Fultz was going to be. So uh, we need to chill on the the crowning of, of GMs before it all plays out. Because even with Ben Simmons, we all think Ben Simmons is a great player, but he does not fit with that roster anymore. And, and it's pretty clear at this point. So, uh, And now you're in a position where you're probably not going to get a very good value for him because he's not happy there. People know that. And they know that he doesn't fit in your system and you want to get rid of him. So uh, I think, you know, 
from one side, it's like, okay, the process does work, but you also need a full plan. You can't just pick the best player all the time because sometimes it just doesn't work out. And now you're going to get a less than best player value for him. Uh, for me, uh, with a guy like this on the market, it's amazing that I'm not like, not like the Pistons, like, oh, go get Ben Simmons. But I want Kate Cunningham running the point for us, so I don't really – you know, Ben Simmons is a ball ball dominant type player, and I don't want anyone taking the ball out of Kate Cunningham's hand at this point. So I agree with you. Please keep him out of L.A. Uh, if the NBA can veto that trade like they did with the Chris Paul trade, if that ever happens, please do. Uh, I like the Portland fit. I think that would work to, to an extent. Um, I think a big part with Ben Simmons' future is just you got sometime at some point you got to learn a jump shot. It, it just there's no way you can be that talented at basketball and not have at least a 15 foot jump shot, at least a mid range to keep people honest. Uh, so there's n- nothing from him at that point, and that's what why he doesn't work. If he had that, he might be the best one of the best players in the league right now, if not the the best point guard. So. Uh, He's still got room to grow. I, I think, like you said, give him another a spot, another coaching staff to to really work with him and fix his offensive game to an extent. Uh, I think he could thrive in another situation. I just don't know where that fit is. Maybe, maybe Houston. I think maybe that might work. Uh, you know, get rid of because I don't I don't really like the John Wall Jalen Green fit. I think Ben Simmons and Jalen Green might work a little bit better. So maybe Houston. I like Portland, uh, but. Other than that, uh, maybe, you know, this is maybe a little bit out of the box, but Milwaukee might work. Uh, you know, Milwaukee could add a star point guard in Ben Simmons. I, I think that probably ruins their spacing to an extent, but you get a big three of Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Ben Simmons. That might be a little bit scary. I like that a lot. I really do move Giannis to center, and then he can basically take Brooke Lopez's spot or Bobby Portis. Mm-hmm. That would be. And, they, and it's not really center, just play positionless basketball. Right. And my goodness, that would be terrifying. Yeah. Woo! Have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis. That would be scary. I think we lost – yeah, I think we got – we froze you for a second. But uh, that would be interesting. We're going to have to stay tuned to uh, the Woge Bounds coming soon because we got to figure out where Ben Simmons is going to land. The NBA always giving us the drama that we need to talk about for, (laughs) for them to get on the docket in this, in the, in the Dylan and Dylan show. All right. Finally, we wanted to look forward to the college football schedule this season and give some picks of some of the biggest games of the weekend. We will start doing this every week and we'll keep track of our record as we go along three games a week. And we'll try to switch up how we choose the games every week, but this week, Pretty easy to pick the games because we got a very solid slate of college football this weekend. Uh, Alabama starting their season against Miami, Penn State and Wisconsin starting their Big Ten seasons, and then maybe the biggest game of the entire regular season, Clemson and Georgia meeting on Saturday. Uh, I figured we'd start with Alabama and Miami. So, Dylan, what are your thoughts on the Crimson Tide taking on the Hurricanes? I really want Miami to win that game really, really, really badly. And it's not just because I – I have a lot of hate for Alabama in my heart, but because Miami is so much fun, I want them to be back. It makes college football better when these traditional programs, like the two that we love, are better. And Miami is one of those programs that needs to be good. And they have a huge test against Alabama because Alabama is more than likely the best team in the country. 
And I just hope they don't get blown out. That's we really, really don't need a blowout. My, I want, I, I want Miami to keep it close. And I, I think Alabama is going to win. Bryce Young is going to have his come out party, and they're going to be, they're going to win. It's going to be Alabama. It's Alabama. They show out in these season opening games. That's what they do. Do you think Miami has a chance, or is it Alabama? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm going to echo a lot of what you said. I, I'm rooting for Miami for sure. Uh, like I said in the ACC preview, I think Derek King is a dark horse Heisman candidate. And it, if Alabama isn't careful, he could have a monster game because you might overlook him. He was hurt last year. Uh, you might overlook and forget that he's there. But it's Alabama. They're not overlooking anyone. They're, they're not losing the week one. It's really easy to take Alabama in a week one game. I'll take Alabama. I think that's going to be – I'm rooting for not a blowout. I think it's going to be a blowout, unfortunately. Uh, on to Wisconsin and Penn State up in the Big Ten, neck of the woods. Should be an interesting game because both teams had very weird seasons last year, uh, but both ranked. Uh, what do you think for Penn State versus Wisconsin? So this just feels like this game should be playing in, like, November, and it should be about three degrees in Madison, Wisconsin, or in Pennsylvania, whichever, and it should just be a ton of snow and they shouldn't throw the ball at all, and it should just be like three to nothing. But um, I think it's going to be a little bit of offense. I like Graham Mertz in Wisconsin. I uh, I reckon I'm going to go with the Badgers. I don't. I think it's a toss-up. You don't see if it win. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Graham Mertz and the Badgers. And I think, I think it's going to be a really, really good game. I think it might be the best game of the weekend because I think these two teams are probably really close to each other. But, yeah, the Badgers, I, I've, I've grown fond of them over the years. I think they play a fun style of football, and I like Graham Mertz. And I'm going to say that a lot this year because I do really like him. Uh, but, yeah, who do you think between the two Big Ten teams? Yeah, I, I completely agree. This might be the best game uh, of the of the weekend. And two teams that had very similar seasons and then very opposite seasons because Penn State looked awful. They started 0 for, I think, like 0 for 4, 0 for 5, and then rattled off a bunch of wins at the end of the year, and people were, you know, a lot higher on them. And then Wisconsin looked great at the beginning of the year, and then – fell off at the end of the year. And then a lot of people were very down on them. So uh, I do, I, I, it's tough because I, 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 we talked about it earlier. We don't put a ton of stock into what happened last year. So, but, so it's just tough. It's just tough to, so it really is what my gut tells me is better. And I do think Graham Mertz and Paul Christ are just a little better than James Franklin and Sean Clifford. I think that's the edge. I, I, I like Sean Clifford. I don't love him. I think Graham Mertz is, you know, yeah, he knocked Jack Cohn out of his starting job as a freshman. I think he's only going to get better. Uh, and I think Paul Chris, I, I don't like James Franklin. Uh, I think Paul Chris is a much better coach than James Franklin. Uh, if it comes down to a, a clock management or a late game scenario, uh, I, I would bet on James Franklin to mess it up. So uh, I'm, I'm going to take Wisconsin for that reason. I think Paul Chris is just a little bit better. All right. On to the big one. Clemson versus Georgia. Maybe the most... Uh, anticipated week one matchup I've seen in a long time. Uh, who do you got? SEC versus ACC. Who do you got, Dylan? And to add on to it, it's a rivalry. These two teams do not like each other. The fan bases don't like each other. It just feels like a heavyweight bout. And I'm going to kind of echo what I said last week when I, when I talked about Georgia. I think this team's going to be really good. They have a crazy defense. And then when they had JT Daniels under center, they looked amazing last season and I think that's going to carry over he had that offseason to work with his receivers really get to know that Kirby smart offense and Clemson when they were without Trevor Lawrence last year they didn't look great and they're going to be without Trevor Lawrence because he's in Jacksonville Florida 
Um, and I think that it's it's going to be a little bit of adjustment, and they got to adjust against Georgia, and that that sucks. They don't get to do it against Bowling Green State like Tennessee did. That that's tough, and I, I think Clemson's going to going to drop the season opener to Georgia, which seems like it shouldn't be a thing. That it seems like Clemson should start one and zero, but I think Clemson's going to be zero one to start the year. Georgia one and zero, and Wisconsin Penn State's going to be really good. The, if this game, if both teams are really competitive, it's going to be stupid, and we're going to get a playoff game in September, which is really, really exciting. But yeah, that I'm going to go with Georgia because I think Georgia's going to be really, really good. Like JT Daniels, going to go with him over over Clemson and Dabo and all the boys in orange and white. Uh, who do you got between Georgia and Clemson in the heavyweight bout on Saturday night? Yeah, so I'm super excited for this game, and like you said, I think it go either way. Um, I'm not as high on JT Daniels. I think he's very good, but I still don't think he's elite. I think he's just very good. I think he's very solid. Uh, on the flip side, I really want to see what Clemson looks like with, and I'm going to try to say his last name, Youngle at quarterback. And I think it's a dip because you're going to see a different offense from Clemson. You're not because Trevor Lawrence and Youngle are very different quarterbacks. So you're going to see uh, a lot more versatile stuff. You're probably going to see a lot more RPOs from from Youngle and the running running quarterback systems from Clemson. Uh, and I think that's just when you put a guy like that who's like a five star talent, and then you give him that system that no one's really seen from Clemson before. It's going to be brand new to a team like Georgia. I think that's just too much to to overcome. You're gonna you're gonna need a lot of halftime adjustments uh, to figure out a way to slow him down. Uh, obviously, Georgia. If any team can do it, it's it's probably Georgia. But I, I like Clemson on this. Uh, they're they're stacked on both sides of the ball too. That's that's just talking about Youngway. They're a scary defense. Uh, Justin Ross is back. Maybe their best wide receiver of all time. Uh, and that's saying a lot because they've had some really, really good wide receivers there. So uh, I like Clemson in this one. I think the only one will differ. I, I do think Clemson's just a bit better than Georgia this year and they'll get off to a one and no start. All right. So that's going to be good. Make sure you uh, tune into social media for those. You can keep track of our records as we go on uh, throughout the year. We'll be doing three picks a week, but that is going to do it for this edition of the Dylan and Dylan show. Dylan, do you have any final thoughts before we take off? Um, I just want to say I'm super excited for North Carolina versus Virginia tech tonight. Uh, It's in Blattsburg getting to see inner Sandman with a full crowd is going to be a lot of fun. Didn't get to really see it with a full crowd last year. So, Gonna get to see that tonight uh, against a ranked opponent in North Carolina, who we're both we both think they're gonna be pretty good. So uh, get a showcase of that and a, a fun entrance in Bloodsburg. Don't know how good Virginia Tech's gonna be, but it'll be fun. Uh, and just excited for a lot of football this uh, weekend, and then getting to NFL stuff next week. But yeah, super excited for just football and baseball and everything going on. A lot of fun stuff. Absolutely, and uh, good luck to the University of Michigan. So they get their season started. Uh, it's a, it's one of those great you know crossovers for my because I'm a Michigan fan. I grew up a Michigan fan. We have season tickets to Michigan games, uh, but I ended up going to Central Michigan. Our rival is Western Michigan, so I get to see my my favorite team destroy my rival team from college. It's it's a it's a perfect setup. Uh, that's what I love, and I'm I'm looking forward to that for sure. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the show this week. Quick reminder where you can find us. You can find the show's social media pages at Twitter and Instagram at Dylan, Dylan Show. You can also find us on YouTube and now Twitch. 
Uh, you can subscribe to us there as well. Get ready for some Dylan versus Dylan content coming soon. Uh, you can find television sports on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at underscore TV sports, Facebook and LinkedIn at tunnel vision sports and online at TV This has been the Dylan and Dylan show. Enjoy your first NFL weekend of the year, and we will see you all next week.